This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wrong way drivers on the run from the law. Two dangerous situations on BC highways. They are vital to public safety in the province. Help for the rescuers, the financial lifeline from the government. It's been amazing the economic impact that Supernatural has had on British Columbia. And a Made in BC show wraps up after 15 seasons. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us tonight. A police pursuit of break and enter suspects led to a dramatic chase in the Fraser Valley early this morning. And a vehicle ended up going the wrong way on Highway 1 through Chilliwack. A global viewer is sending us this footage as sparks flew off a vehicle as the driver headed east on a westbound lane of the freeway. RCMP say officers were called after three men allegedly broke into a house. They began a pursuit when the suspects took off. The vehicle eventually crashed into a median at the Prest Road exit. The suspects were said to be unhurt when they were arrested. Charges are pending. Now to the other dramatic video of a vehicle being driven the wrong way on a major B.C. highway. Last night we told you about the stolen Bentley that was caught on camera speeding north in a southbound lane of the Coquihalla. Well, that vehicle has now been found. Jill Bennett has this NewsHour follow-up. Land's right here. Penticton's right here. And they found the car about here. Where Raymond Campbell's stolen Bentley was found is just one of the many bizarre parts of this story. On Thursday, sometime between 1 and 9 a.m., it was taken from right in front of his Langley home. So if somebody came on my property and you can't see my house or my cars from the driveway, it's two acres. So somebody made an effort. Things get stranger from there. Jonathan Corrigan was driving southbound on the Coquihalla Highway Thursday evening around 6.30 near Hope. Without his dash cam footage to prove it, it would be hard to believe. The stolen Bentley comes screaming down the highway in the wrong direction. I would say three to four seconds when I realized what was happening yeah. to when he passed me. I thought that he's going to cause a big accident probably within the next minute. But thankfully, the Coquihalla was not busy that day. But the driver didn't crash at that point, even though the Bentley was the subject of more than one police pursuit. I was told two, possibly three, and all of them were, were uh, terminated due to public safety. This then around 5 p.m. Friday, the stolen Bentley was found on a dirt road near Summerland, at least 10 kilometers from the nearest house. It smelled like cigarettes and human urine. And there was just so much, so many like clothing items and hard hats and backpacks and notebooks and journals. There was also damage to the front bumper and the front passenger side tire had been replaced with a spare. A few hours later, birds tracked down Raymond Campbell on social media to let him know. Originally, would have hoped they would have caught the driver. That was again one of my focuses. But the the car's back. But now the pieces of the puzzle kind of are, are expanding because of the fact that. Who's, who's hard hat, whose backpacks, whose journals, and why they did the car, and why did they go there? 
RCMP have seized the Bentley as they investigate. Campbell, who manages a car dealership, doesn't know when he'll get his $80,000 specialty car, which used to look just like this one, back. Jill Bennett, Global News. BC's public safety minister making an announcement today that could not come soon enough for the province's search and rescue groups. The provincial government committing tens of millions of dollars for the next three years to support the volunteer-run network. But it's the promise of long-term funding that has the teams breathing a sigh of relief. Nadia Stewart has more. For BC's 80 search and rescue groups, it is a long-awaited announcement. $18.6 million dollars for operation, training, additional equipment and activities. But it's the promise to finally develop a long-term sustainable funding model that has the BC Search and Rescue Association breathing a sigh of relief. It's exactly what we wanted, exactly what we were hoping the government would announce today. From our vision is that we now have sustainable funding. Search and rescue groups were left in limbo following last month's budget. The former Liberal government's commitment of $5 million over three years comes to an end March 31st, making this injection of $18 million over the next three years an increase, one that comes down to the wire. The NDP says they'll set up a joint committee to look at a model to ensure SAR groups continue to receive money. This has, uh, it has taken a long time. I mean, it's a, an important area of public policy, and we want to make sure that we get it right. It's a big relief, frankly, to have that coming through. So our groups say the money will relieve some of the pressure of fundraising so they can focus on training. We do spend a lot of money every year in maintaining our equipment, in training and, uh, and equipment replacement. We have swift water teams, an avalanche team, and a rope team. It allows us to continue to train a lot more of our members for that capacity so that we continue to move forward. BC Sarah already has a proven formula to determine how much each group should receive. They're hoping to distribute the money soon. Nadia Stork, Global News. A plea tonight to help find a missing senior who has dementia. 74-year-old Yuri Zombach was last seen near his home on Kingsway near Tyne Street last night. Vancouver police say he may appear confused and requires daily medication. He walks with a slight limp and is known to frequent Stanley Park and Central Park in Burnaby. If you see him, call 911 and stay with him until police arrive. Now to a serious crash involving a transit bus in Kelowna. As Kimberly Davidson reports, the collision happened because the bus driver was being attacked while he was behind the wheel. I have no words to describe this. The president of the local amalgamated transit union is reacting to a violent assault on a bus driver on Friday night that led to a crash on Rutland Road. The bus crashing over a concrete abutment in front of a home near McCurdy Road in the opposite lane of travel. We as a community got exceptionally lucky last night. We really did. You had a 20-ton missile with no one at the helm going down a major street, Rutland Road, crossing traffic. Uh, it, we, could have had, we could have had serious accidents. Once again, the union is calling on BC Transit to install shields for their bus drivers. If those had been installed now, and we'd been calling for it for years, if this had been installed now, this would never have happened. Earlier this week, the company committed to doing just that, installing the shields on every bus in their fleet except for handy dart buses. But there is no timeline for the shields to be in place. I don't think we can wait. I, I believe that we need shields on buses now, and, and it's, a, it's a big expense, and I got that. But can you put a price tag on someone's life? on my children's life walking on the street, yours. 
Lovell says while other passengers on the number eight bus servicing UBC Okanagan tried to intervene in the assault, the bus driver was beaten quite severely. One person was arrested at the scene. Kimberly Davidson, Global News, Kelowna. Dozens of people are homeless after a fire tore through a West Kelowna apartment building last night. That fire broke out at Powers Place on Hebert Road just after 8.30. Neighbors made sure everyone made it out safely from the burning apartment. Firefighters say it was difficult to fight because the flames made it into the attic. Three of the 15 units were heavily damaged by the fire, with several others affected by smoke and water. No one was hurt. It's believed the fire was started accidentally. It looks like possibly a candle uh, near the front door of a ground unit uh, ignited some clothing, which was hanging nearby. From there, the fire progressed into a couch, uh, and then it took off into the structure from there. A close call for some drivers and people living near Karameas last night after rocks and boulders came crashing down next to the highway. Jules Knox reports on the harrowing ordeal. I thought it was a tank driving up the road here. Big boulders crashing down a rocky slope near Karameas Friday night, cratering right next to the highway. You could hear a lot of rock coming down and then it was quiet for a while and then it sounded like rain coming down. But I guess it was just a fine material on the hillside. And the house was vibrating. And we ran out thought it was a thunderstorm. Drivers caught off guard as they had to swerve around boulders the size of cars in the dark. We were just so lucky that we weren't there like two minutes earlier. I was super relieved but like really freaked out at the same time because like we could have died. Ashlyn White says there was a cloud of dust. The highway was covered in branches and debris, and she could still hear sounds above. It was really loud, like it was clanking and rumbling, and like it sounded like the mountain was coming down. See what's happened there, eh? One of the rocks busting through two fences and bouncing into a home across the highway from the rock slide. This morning there was, I think, about five or six big, large rocks on the road. And a machine had to come out and take it off. Some of those boulders can still be seen on the side of the road. The highway reopened around 11 a.m. on Saturday morning, but the Transportation Ministry says it will be monitoring the area closely over the next 24 hours. Jules Knox, Global News, Karameas. More sticker shock for Metro Vancouver drivers. The price of the pump jumping again today. The price hovering just under $1.56 a litre in Burnaby this morning. This comes after rates spiked to $1.51 across the region earlier this month. Refinery issues south of the border are partially blamed for the increase. Volunteers helped with a major cleanup of the Fraser River today. For the 12th straight year, the small group partnered with local company Woodtone to take away garbage that's accumulated in the river. In the past, a staggering 125 tons of trash were collected. All kinds of items were found today, but the most common, rusty nails. The nails are left over from the um, campfires that people um, make with old pallets or old wood debris that has nails in it, uh, and a lot of household garbage. There's all kinds of interesting bits and pieces that you find, like rings from shower curtains, uh, a bracket to hold up a TV, a wall TV. So I think we probably brought in, uh, we're estimating about 12 buckets full of nails, and if you say each bucket is at least uh, 50, bu- 50 pounds, 
So what's that? That's a five, six hundred pounds of nails for sure. An unusual raptor rescue unfolding off the B.C. coast recently. The B.C. Conservation Service tweeting these incredible photos Friday. Two bald eagles got into a scrap over their territory near Lund, a small seaside village near Powell River. It's hard to tell, but there are two eagles in this picture. Their talons locked together after the struggle. Conservation officers and Powell River's Orphaned Wildlife Society were able to separate the birds of prey. The pair now headed to Victoria. A Delta company played a key role in the rescue of a hiker in Alberta earlier this week. The Edmonton man was on a camping trip when he got lost near Rocky Mountain House. But as Kristen Robinson reports, a piece of B.C. technology allowed him to get his own rescue in motion. It's a B.C. setup that saved the day in Alberta. This remotely accessible satellite camera one of several hundred Newpoint systems has installed across North America. Our camera works down at minus 40 with no heater. And so we can run off a battery, we can run off solar panel indefinitely. The technology's grit paying off during a rugged rescue. I was planning on making there on the third day, so I was running out of time. On March 16th, Adam Nichols arrived at Pinto Lake, days late for what was supposed to be a four-day hike. Quite a bit bigger than some of the other ones. Unable to make it back to his vehicle due to dwindling supplies, the Edmonton man and his dog hunkered down in the backcountry, where Nichols spotted a remote forestry camera and made tracks in the hopes technology would transmit his message. I just stomped out SOS in front of it so that someone would see that. A number of people on a distribution list received an email with that picture attached. One of them contacted RCMP, realizing the March 18th alert meant someone was in trouble. It's uh, not a way we usually uh, get deployed. Uh. The local search and rescue team dispatched, along with an RCMP chopper. He was really quite lucky. He had no other means of communication with him to, you know, send for help. Nichols and his dog airlifted back to the trailhead west of Rocky Mountain House. I'm glad they checked it and it was able to help with getting me out quickly. The save, thanks to an SOS signature activated by BC-born technology. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Vaughn and Barry join us now. Not quite as warm as last weekend, <laughs> but still very pleasant. Yeah, very pleasant out there. Not the record-breaking temperatures. It was very balmy and summer-like last week, but a pleasant start to our weekend so far. A few areas we have seen a mix of sun and cloud, and we will still see a very slight chance for an isolated shower leading in towards our Sunday. But a glance at some of the numbers and what we've seen so far today. So 13 out of the airport. Interior regions for Soyuz up to 18. Prince George topping out at 8 in areas near Prince Rupert at 12. So still quite pleasant leading into the latter half of our weekend but we are tracking a change on the way and the return for some wet weather i'll show you the timeline coming up very shortly all right but it does finally feel like spring it does. yes yes and the connects in action tonight yes they are it's kind of this big debate are they really uh, in a playoff <laughs> race well they're mathematically still alive if they, if they win both this weekend then i will say okay <laughs> they got a chance but that's going to be tough because they play uh, Calgary tonight and Columbus tomorrow, two teams who want the points just as badly as the Canucks. So we'll hear from them on the eve of their, uh, or just hours before, really, before they play uh, the Flames. And uh, lots of action going around around the NHL. So many games with playoff implications. And 
I tell you, Canada's become a tennis nation. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only Andrieski on the women's side, but the boys are great, too, and everyone's winning down in Miami, so I'll have highlights of that, too. All right, good stuff. We'll see you guys in a few minutes. Thanks. Welcome back. A memorial service was held today for a Calgary man, one of 18 Canadians killed in the crash of Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302. Carolyn Curry de Castillo has more. Derek Lugie's sister recalled the agonizing moments, hoping to get a text back from her brother after hearing that the Ethiopian Airlines airplane had gone down, still hoping he had missed the flight. I sent him my text, and I was a little bit annoyed. I told him, you know the news that is going on? And you can't even confirm to us that you're okay. Friends and family joined members of the Kenyan community to pay their respects to a community leader who devoted his life to his own family and to his church family. He made each person feel special, wanted, and needed. Derek was very outgoing. He was able to connect with people, to bring them together around a shared purpose. Lugie is being remembered as a devout Christian who served his city, his church, and his community, both in Calgary and in Kenya. He was a man of the people, a man who had a servant heart, a man who served others. Kenya's High Commissioner to Canada offered condolences to the family. Just last week, he was at the memorial service for a family of five from Hamilton who died in the plane crash. We want to know what was wrong with this aircraft? And why was it flying? Why did Derek have to die in such a manner, together with the other 157 people? Lugi's wife and three children plan to travel to Ethiopia this week to visit the crash site. Friends hope their journey will help them work through their grief. He was warm, he was welcoming, and he cared for many. Carolyn Curry, the Castillo Global News. In Montreal, a 26-year-old man was charged today with attempted murder in the stabbing of a Catholic priest. The stabbing was caught on video as Friday's service of morning mass was streamed live. The suspect appeared in a Montreal court today via video conference. He was also charged with assault with a weapon. Crown objected to his release and requested he receive a mental health evaluation before his next appearance. Reverend Claude Gros suffered minor injuries in the attack. Police have not suggested a motive, but say there's no evidence to suggest the suspect was linked to any group. In New Zealand, the mosque where a terrorist opened fire last week reopened today. Emotions were still raw, with people seen crying outside the mosque where armed police were on site. Fifty people were killed and dozens of others hurt in the attack. Earlier in the day, thousands walked through Christchurch in a march honoring the victims. The U.S. Attorney General says he expects to provide Congress with key findings tomorrow from Robert Mueller's Trump-Russia probe. William Barr spent today at the Justice Department reviewing the report on Russian meddling in the 2016 election. Thank you for uh, being here today. Attorney General William Barr at the Justice Department examining special counsel Robert Mueller's confidential report on the Russia investigation. Barr deciding what will go to Congress and possibly the public after Mueller ended his 22-month probe. Even the president and his attorneys are now saying release the full report. So it's my hope we'll get there as quickly and as reasonably as possible. Democrats held a mid-afternoon conference call but got word they'd stay in the dark for at least another day. 
President Trump went golfing in Florida, reportedly in good spirits. Before leaving the White House, he again said... There was no collusion, there was no obstruction, everybody knows it. It's all a big hoax. Mueller's investigation wrapped up without any additional indictments. Welcome news to the Trump administration, who feared a final round of charges could ensnare more Trump associates or possibly family members. Lawmakers still want answers. There were dealings by Donald Trump himself on the Moscow Trump Tower. His son welcomed incriminating information or derogatory data about Hillary Clinton. Mueller's investigation netted 34 indictments or guilty pleas, six from the president's campaign, but none of them were accused of helping Russia meddle in the 2016 presidential election. Three Russian companies were charged with trying to sway the outcome. Mueller also looked into whether the president tried to obstruct the investigation. So we'll see what happens. Jennifer Johnson, NBC News, Washington. The Canadian government is contributing up to $3.5 million to help tens of thousands devastated by Cyclone Idai in Africa. The storm caused widespread destruction in parts of Mozambique, Zimbabwe and Malawi. Militaries are joining aid groups in flying over areas as they look for signs of life and people in need. As many as 600,000 people have been displaced in Mozambique alone. So far, at least 730 people have died in the storm. The death toll from a factory explosion in eastern China has reached 62. The blast happened Thursday afternoon when a fire broke out in a fertilizer factory. Fewer than half of the victims have been identified so far. It is estimated one million people marched through London today demanding a second referendum on Brexit. Protesters marched past 10 Downing Street and ended up outside the Houses of Parliament. Britain opted to leave the EU in a 2016 referendum, but the exit process has been stalled by political discord. Lawmakers have twice rejected Prime Minister Theresa May's withdrawal plan. An online petition calling on the government to cancel Brexit has attracted more than 4 million signatures. In Health Matters tonight, a beverage company is recalling one of its energy drinks. Monster's Cafe Salted Caramel Energy Drink is being pulled from store shelves because there might be pieces of glass inside. The recall is specifically for the 405-millimeter-sized drink. You can get more information on the Canadian Food Inspection Agency website. If the drink is in your fridge, throw it out or return it to the store for a refund. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Fund. A difficult rescue operation is underway off the coast of Norway tonight, where a cruise ship with 1,300 people on board is being evacuated. The Viking Sky issued a mayday after breaking down in some very rough weather. NBC's Chris Pallone has more. Passengers could be seen dangling from helicopters on ropes above a cruise ship off the west coast of Norway. Officials say the crew of the Viking Sky reported engine trouble Saturday afternoon during a storm about a mile from shore. Two rescue boats had to turn back because of the choppy seas, which saw waves reaching 25 feet high. At least four helicopters could be seen plucking some of the 1,300 passengers and crew off the ship's deck. 
an operation made even more perilous by wind gusts exceeding 50 miles an hour. Very frightening. We uh, went up on a helicopter with a sling, the two of us together, and it was quite scary. The ship's crew was able to get one engine running and dropped anchor as the rescue operation began. Passengers were being flown to the Norwegian mainland, then transferred to hotels from there. Eight people suffered minor injuries. Only 100 passengers had been plucked from the ship several hours after the rescue operation began. The Viking Sky was on a 12-day trip to several Norwegian ports. It was scheduled to arrive at the British port of Tilbury on Tuesday. The stretch of sea where the cruise ship ran into trouble is known for its fierce weather and shallow water. Chris Pallone, NBC News. And a freighter that went to aid the stranded cruise ship off Norway also running into trouble. The Hagelin captain declaring a mayday after engine troubles in rough seas and stormy weather. The same problem that stranded 1,300 passengers on board the Viking Sky. The vessel seen listing to the port side with a chopper hovering overhead. The captain and crew waiting out the storm on board. Now that spring is here, the city of Vancouver is once again ensuring its beaches are open to everyone. Park board staff taking advantage of the warm weather to roll out the welcome mats. Introduced at two beaches last summer, these special accessibility mats open up the sand to everyone. The Access for All initiative is allowing people like three-year-old Sailor, who uses a wheelchair to get around to enjoy the beach. The park board says it's all about inclusion. I rode my bike past uh, Kitts Beach this week, Yvonne, and there were already uh, Kitts Beach this week, and there were already people out on the lawn getting some sun. Yes, it feels very summer-like. It's been very pleasant. We have seen a few clouds in the mix today, and it'll be similar for tomorrow. But nonetheless, we did still receive a couple of beautiful photos, as this was sent in from Craig, a beautiful shot of how sound and what it looked like today, and more clear skies were into the interior for the Okanagan. Craig sending this from the Rattlesnake Island. So thank you so much for your photos. Here's a shot. Right now, overlooking English Bay, still very beautiful and pleasant out there. Temperatures are sitting in the double digits at 11 with a northwesterly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. High today was up to 13. We're still slightly above the average for this time of the year. That sits at 11 degrees. Most areas into the double digits. Whistler still currently sitting or currently sitting at 9 degrees. 14 for areas near Kamloops. The Peace sitting at 6 in areas near Prince Rupert at 12. Now, here's the satellite and radar. We do still have some cloud cover, a few isolated showers across the central and southern half of the island. And for the big weather picture that we're following, it's this next weather maker that is going to push in. Satellite looks to be cut off right there, but we are going to be seeing the next system pushing in. And this will be late in the day on our Monday. And for tomorrow, the afternoon, we've got some cloud cover, a chance for some showers, especially for the interior regions. And then it's on Monday that that next system does start to push in by the evening and then lingering towards our Tuesday morning with the chance of showers and then clearing out late in the day. Across the province for the piece, cloud cover tomorrow, highs of 6 degrees, a nice clearing on the way on your Monday evening. Whitehorse, quite chilly overnight tonight, wind chills at minus 10. The bulk of the moisture will push back in on Tuesday and cooling off with the single digits. North coast, a nice break tomorrow with a partly cloudy sky up to 12. Caribou and central interior will still see a fair bit of cloud cover with temperatures getting up to 10. Columbia and Kootenay region, cloud cover at 8, double digits for your Monday with a few breaks. 
The Thompson Okanagan will still see more cloud cover tomorrow and a chance of showers Monday evening and towards your Tuesday. Whistler with on and off showers, temperatures will be at 9. Some sunny breaks on Monday and across the island. We're also looking at a few uh, clouds in the mix. 13 will be the high. We are going to see that moisture pushing in late Monday into Tuesday right across the south coast. Rain could be heavy at times for a Monday evening and then it looks to be showers on our Tuesday and then rebound very nicely. Wednesday, Thursday, we'll see some sunshine. Tomorrow's high up to 12 degrees. Jordan? All right. Thanks, Yvonne. We may dream of winning the Lotto Max or Lotto 649 jackpot, but the hopes are much bigger in the U.S. this weekend. Tonight's Powerball draw is worth a whopping $625 million, making it the seventh highest U.S. lottery jackpot ever. The estimated lump sum payout would be $380.6 million before taxes. But given the odds of winning, you're more likely to be struck by lightning or even attacked by a bear. If someone is lucky enough to win big, a lawyer suggests the winner not take the lump sum payment. It's like any other asset. And so long as you have a will and you decide who you want that money to go to, those heirs will get that money. Even in the payment? Even in the payment plan, absolutely. It's a lot of money to win, probably buy a car, a new car, a new toy. I have no idea. I mean, just to see that much. Another step forward by the NHL this weekend. Tomorrow's game between the Montreal Canadiens and Carolina Hurricanes will be called in Cree for the first time. Former NHL center John Shabbat, along with a play-by-play announcer and a Cree teacher, will be among those calling Sunday's game from a Winnipeg studio for the Aboriginal People's Television Network. The only other NHL broadcast in a Canadian Indigenous language happened back in 2010, when a game between Montreal and the Ottawa Senators was delivered in Inuktitut. It's a significant moment uh, that we're, we're creating tomorrow, March 24th, to, to bring something, to bring a Canadian iconic sports into people's living room in an Indigenous language is just phenomenal. I'd never ever thought, never imagined that I would be sitting in a studio being a part of something like that, especially a hockey game that's being broadcast in my traditional language. Very cool. Of course, mm-hmm. they already have Hockey Night in Punjabi, which mm-hmm. has been quite successful. Well, hockey so. has many languages. Of course. Including the one in the locker room, but we can't say yeah, that. Yeah, those words can't broadcast. <laughs> That's right. That, that goes across all languages. Sure. All right. Thanks so much, Jordan. Uh, well, it is the stretch run for the Canucks as they hit the final two weeks of the season. Eight games left. Still a mathematical shot at making the playoffs. Vancouver is now six points out of a playoff spot. Vancouver will likely need to go 7-1 and one to get in. So not realistic, but possible. The Canucks are playing well right now. They go for their fourth straight win tonight against the conference-leading Flames. I think most teams are hungry at this time of the year, so it's not surprising. We're playing one of the best teams in the league in Calgary tomorrow. We'll have our hands full. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a tough game to play, but I'm excited about it. Good team, obviously. Uh, a lot of firepower. Um, Giordano is a pretty good defenseman too that contributes from the back end. So uh, I think if we protect them out of the ice and we have our forwards tracking backs and allow us demon out of better gaps and hopefully we can attack off the rush off turnovers. So uh, guys are going to be any focus. Yeah, anytime you get a chance to face the best teams in the league, you're going to step up your game and Calgary is one of them. Uh, we've had a pretty good history with Calgary um, and you know, we've, we've been playing well against them this year, but we've got to come out ready to go. 
All right, Canucks got to win a lot, and they got to get a lot of help from other teams. One of them, Minnesota, they're holding down the last playoff spot at Carolina tonight. Scoreless in the second, but Canes get the first goal. Goes in off the skate of Jordan Stahl. 1-0 Carolina, who's looking to make the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. Now 2-0, nothing. now it's time for the other Stahl brother to score. He plays for the Wild. Eric Stahl with his 21st, made it 2-1, but Carolina got three in the third. Andre Svechnikov scores there. Canes win 5-1, so that is good news for the Canucks. Arizona Coyotes starting the day a point uh, behind Minnesota in New Jersey today. First period, Coyotes open the scoring. Oliver Ekman Larson from long range, the screenshot finds the back of the net. The Devils tied it, and it stayed that way into the shootout where the Devils get the victory on this goal from Pavel Zaka. So the Coyotes do get a loser point. They're tied with the Wild, and uh, that is the story now. So not a bad result there for the Canucks. Avalanche and Blackhawks, Colorado with a chance to move into the last playoff spot. Second period, 1-1 Avs uh, on a two-man power play, and they cash in. Alex Kerfoot to Colin Wilson. 2-1 Colorado after two. Early in the third, Sven Andraghetto, the former Hab, deflects the Eric Johnson point shot. Chicago wanted a high stick, but the goal stood 3-1. Chicago made it 3-2. They pulled their goalie with two and a half to go, but a turnover at the Colorado line, and Derek Broussard seals it with the empty netter. So Colorado wins 4-2. They're up to 80 points. Blackhawks, third straight loss. They're tied with the Canucks with 74. Now, the Oilers' playoff chances worse than the Canucks, but Connor McDavid is good TV anytime. Gets his 38th on the pretty setup with the Leon Drysaddle. Those two are fun to watch. Ties the game 2-2. Third period, Senators up 3-2, but Edmonton ties it. One of their recent call-ups, Colby Cave, with the setup from Sam Gagne, makes it 3-all. So they go to overtime, which is usually in favor of Edmonton with McDavid and Drysaddle, but this time Brady Kachuk gets the winner. 31st placed Ottawa beats Edmonton 4-3. Edmonton with 74 points, tied with the Canucks, but they have played one more game. Predators and Jets battling for first in the Central. Jets lead by two points with a game in hand. Home ice very key, I think, for these teams in the playoffs. Second period, Jets open the scoring, and it's a sensational goal by Kyle Connor. Undresses P.K. Subban, then beats Pekka Rinne. Connor's 30th of the year, 1-0 Winnipeg. Great playoff atmosphere there tonight. Later, two-on-one break. Andrew Kopp, fans on the wide-open net, but then... Fires the puck in off the uh, back of Rene and in. 2-0 Jets. And then a few minutes later, another bad goal allowed by Rene. This time Kevin Hayes from the sharp angle. 3-0 Jets. It's now 4-0 Winnipeg late in the third. And we'll show you one from the east. Montreal Canadiens clinging to the final playoff spot. Crucial game tonight. Home to Buffalo. Second period, 1-0 Sabres. But the Habs tie. That's a pretty pass play as uh, Max Domi and Andrew Shaw combined to set up Arturi Lekkinen. And then Brendan Gallagher, the former Giant, so clutch in the big games, rips home his 32nd. Great play by Philip Dano to set him up. 2-1 Montreal. And then the Habs on the rush. It's Domi again making the play. He will find Andrew Shaw, who rifles at top shelf. It's a tight one in Montreal. They're up 5-4 late in the third. And some local hockey. Jim Benning getting a first-hand look at Bowen Byram in the Giants last night. Game one of the Giants' playoff series against Seattle. Nice passing on the power play. Milos Sharoman will finish it off. 1-0 Vancouver. Second period, while shorthanded, 
Jaden Joseph with the steal, and this is uh, just a filthy deke here by Joseph. Scores to make it 3-0 Vancouver. Bowen Byram will finish off the scoring in the third. 7-1 route for Vancouver. Game two tonight at the LEC. Victoria beat Kamloops 4-0 in their opener. Game two of that series tonight in Victoria. Welcome back. Well, Canadian tennis has never been better, and it's going to get even much better than it is right now. 18-year-old Bianca Andreescu has burst into the top 25 in the world rankings, coming off her life-changing win at Indian Wells last week. And coming up later tonight, she will meet Angelique Kerber in the third round at the Miami Masters. So it's a rematch of their riveting final Sunday in the California desert. But it's not all Bianca. The boys are holding up their end, too. Milos Raonic, Denis Shapovalov are ranked in the top 25. And 18-year-old Felix Auger-Alassim will join them soon. Earlier today in Miami, Shapovalov Shapovalov, who turns 20 next month, took on Britain's Daniel Evans in a second-round match. Shapo dropped the first set, but in the second, showing off his net presence. Nice touch here for the winner. He has shown big improvement with his volleys over the past few months, and that's going to help him win a lot more matches. Cruises through the set. On set point, he will uh, fire the big backhand winner. He's got that... Beautiful one-handed backhand, and he fires it there to win the set 6-1. Third set... Dennis gets an early break, cracks the return winner down the line, takes a 2-1 lead. But Evans did have a chance to break back, but Dennis coming up with a massive stretch volley here. Hold serve, and Evans, who won the Odlum Brown here in Vancouver last August, cannot believe he lost that point. Shapovalov also had a bit of luck, just bunts the overhead, catches the line, and then he will... Put away the overhead from the baseline. Shapovalov moving on to the third round in Miami. A three-set win. Raonic and Oje Oliasim play their third-round matches tomorrow. Third round of the Valspar Championship near Tampa, Florida. Good BC content this weekend. Merritt's Roger Sloan with the short birdie putt. He is 27th at one under, and he's going to play with Henrik Stenson in the final round tomorrow. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor having another strong week after a top 20 at the Players' Championship last week. Look at that putt. Perfect. Center cut. Bends it in for birdie to get to five under, and then at 16... This is a long par putt, but he will knock it down from 17 feet. Taylor in the mix, tied for sixth at five under, just four off the lead, tied with Jim Furyk, and he will play together with Furyk in the fourth-last pairing tomorrow. Jason Kokrak had the shot of the day on the par 315th. He was born in North Bay, Ontario, but grew up in the U.S. T-ball from 218, and this is right about perfect. It goes in for the ace, and he is in third place, just two off the lead. They're all chasing the defending champ, Englishman Paul Casey. Birdie's the 14th. He's got a one-shot lead over world number one, Dustin Johnson. Well, a great moment for Canada at the World Cross-Country Ski Championships in Quebec City today. Canada's the best cross-country skier ever. Alex Harvey with a mammoth effort to win silver in the men's 15K classic ski mask start. Harvey, who will retire after this competition, laid it all on the line, much to the delight of the home crowd who cheered him wildly. For Harvey to beat out the Norwegians and some of the other powerful countries virtually on his own is amazing. One of Canada's best athletes who certainly flies under the radar. March Madness, second round. Gonzaga, the number one seed in the West, taking on Baylor. Vancouver-born Brandon Clark is the Gonzaga star. Played his high school basketball in Phoenix. Hammers down the dunk there. Later, Clark adds to it with another flush off the fast break. Leads the nation in field goal percent. And uh, this Bulldog fan 
is in awe. Clark doing it all. More style points on the alley-oop jam. He's a projected first uh, mid-first-round NBA pick this summer. He had 18 at the half, 39-23 at the break, and he was more spectacular stuff in the second half. A big follow jam. Clark finished with a career-high 36, and the Zags are going to the Sweet 16. They'll play Florida State next. They beat Baylor 83-71. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with four new centimeters. Grouse with a base of 282, 285 for Cypress, and 232 for Sasquatch. Fernie with a base of 190, 140 for Manning Park, and Whitewater at 211. Big White with a base of 205. Silver Star with two new centimeters, and Sun Peaks a base of 164. Kicking Horse with one new centimeter. Mount Washington a base of 195, and Powder King at 275. In Metro Vancouver, we're used to seeing film production crews around town, but it's rare for any cast and crew to work together for an extended period of time. The exception is Supernatural, which is finally coming to an end after a 15th and final season. Here's Julia Foy. Supernatural. Yeah, the boys. They, they spent quite a bit of time in the valley shooting. We got work to do. The boys she's referring to are Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki. They star as the Winchester Brothers in the CW sci-fi series, Supernatural. We should go. Since the show launched in 2004, it shot all over BC, including Fort Langley. And fans flocked to Country Lane Antiques for a supernatural experience. (laughs) They fly in from New Zealand and Australia and England and and everywhere to to, uh, have special events with the guys. There's this pounding in my head. It never stops. Creative BC says the show has been an economic powerhouse to the local film and TV industry. And I appreciate that. Over 15 seasons, they've had over half a billion dollars in local spending. They've worked with over a thousand vendors across the lower mainland and across the province. It's just every time I think about it, you know, it's like a, it's like a nightmare. I mean, I can't eat, I can't sleep. But the boys announced on social media Friday that the nightmare is about to come to an end. Though we're very, very excited about moving into our 15th season, Mm -hmm. um, it will be our last. So do you recognize these guys? Well, I know that's Jared Padalecki. People in Fort Langley say they'll be sorry to see the show wrap up. There are series where people will come from all over North America because they're really embedded in them. We've cried some tears and we'll cry some more. um, But we're going to save the emotion for next season. The fans are usually quite interested to know that the actors hang out downstairs. There's no word yet on where the final 20 episodes will be shot, but Shirley Rempel hopes the boys will stop by for a visit. Will you be sorry to see the Supernatural show wrap up? I'm sure a lot of uh, the girls in the valley will, <laughs> and tourism certainly will. Julia Foy, Global News. And you recognize many of those buildings in Fort Langley. Well, that's right. Well, it's, a, it's, one of the, it's one of BC's most popular locations yeah. for films. I mean, I go there every day. My kids go to school there, and it's... Uh, Something constant. is always, always shot. Thing. But you know what? People leave them alone, and they like that because it's like just Wednesday, they're, whatever, they're shooting <laughs> exactly. movies. But it's great that they can do it for so long. For sure. Quick word on the weather before we go. Uh, final look at your five-day forecast. Uh, we still have a slight chance to see an isolated shower, but there will be some sunny breaks tomorrow. More on our Monday, and then rain developing late by the evening, and that'll take us in towards our Tuesday. And that is tonight's news hour. Thanks for watching. We're back at 11. Good night. Good night.